The WBEN All Local. All Local. A daily look at what's happening in Buffalo, Western New York, and the world. I'm Susan Rose. I'm Brian Mazurowski. John Hitchcock is joining us from the National Weather Service this morning. Here it is, October 5th, and we're at 70 degrees at 5 a.m. We've been enjoying a great run of late summer weather, John. And before we talk about a change, how extraordinary has this run been? Yeah, really the longevity is the really impressive part. Usually when we get these warm stretches this deep into autumn, usually only lasts for a day or two. But this time it's been five, six days in a row where we've been well above normal. We have one more day of that today with highs in the mid-80s, and it all comes crashing to an end tomorrow. Unfortunately, we've really enjoyed it. And, you know, in some ways it goes all the way back to the beginning of September. I feel like September was our nicest month of summer. Some people say summer ends as soon as the calendar flips to September. I mean, to look back there, we were doing pretty well, right, throughout the September and now to here. We were, yeah. September was a pretty warm month and pretty dry month also. Of course, we had that very hot stretch the first week of September and really nice weather for most of the month after that. The summer was a little bit on the cool side, especially August, uh, which is typical of an El Nino year. We have an El Nino in the Pacific that's developing, and summers tend to be cool when an El Nino is developing, uh, but really turned around in September and so far in October. Uh, One more day of that, and then everything changes tomorrow. Yeah, what is the reality check for us? What can we expect? Yeah, strong cold front will cross the area on Friday. So we'll have rain developing late tonight, continuing on and off through the day Friday. Uh, so after our mid-80s today, highs will be in the upper 60s tomorrow with that rain. And then over the weekend, even cooler still, it'll be in the upper 50s for a high on Saturday. Then only low 50s for Sunday and Monday. So the average high at this time of year is 65. So we're going to go from being almost 20 degrees above normal to 10 to 15 degrees below normal over the weekend. So it really is going to be like a slap in the face. It will be, yeah. It's going to be a, a very dramatic change from uh, this week into the weekend. So uh, pretty windy, too. Uh, it'll be showery with lake effect showers off of Lake Erie on and off through the weekend and wind gusts of 30 to 40 miles per hour, especially on Sunday, a very blustery day. So uh, almost unpredictable in some ways on, uh, you know, over the weekend of when exactly that'll hit or can we all just uh, expect rain throughout? Yeah, there'll be scattered showers throughout the weekend and lake effect rain, especially for areas closer to Lake Erie, and uh, some of that may impact Buffalo at times over the weekend. So it'll be a good weekend to stay inside after this nice stretch of weather. All right, I guess we're paying the price. John, thank you for the update. You're welcome. Have a good day. John Hitchcock at the National Weather Service. WBEN Newstime 505. We'll get you ready for that throughout the rest of the day. Meanwhile, more names starting to emerge as potential candidates alongside Steve Scalise and Jim Jordan to replace Kevin McCarthy as House Speaker. More from Anna Wiernicki. Oklahoma Republican Kevin Hearn says he's also considering a bid. I'm probably one of the most conservative members in Congress. Hearn met with the Texas Republican delegation on Wednesday, hoping to lock in support from the state's 25 Republicans. I think we need to be pointing our guns outward, not at each other. Texas Republicans Jody Arrington and Chip Roy say they haven't decided who they plan to endorse. But Roy says whoever it is needs to be ready to get to work. We've got a, a lot of important things we need to do on special on the border, up to Ukraine, a lot of important decisions. 
The House still, though, in recess until next week. Minutes after dismissal at Riverside High School in Buffalo yesterday, there was an altercation and stabbing of an 18-year-old student outside the school. The student was taken by ambulance to ECMC for non-life-threatening injuries. Buffalo police announced the arrest of 19-year-old Makai Cook, who faces charges of assault, menacing, criminal possession of a weapon, and trespassing. Buffalo School Superintendent Tanja Williams has directed the crisis prevention and response staff to be on site at Riverside to provide support. A soccer game at Riverside was postponed last night as a precaution. State lawmakers hoping to put pressure on Kia and Hyundai to ramp up getting a fix for their cars out to the public. WBEN's Tom Puckett here with more. While Kia and Hyundai have offered fixes to keep their cars from being stolen, Assemblymember Monica Wallace says it's not enough. They have not issued a recall, so it's just up to con- uh, Kia and Hyundai to do what what they've done is sort of like a voluntary customer service campaign where they've sort of, they've let their uh, the people who own these vehicles know that they can come in and get it fixed, but that's not really reaching enough people, and it's not really doing enough, in my opinion. She's calling on the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration to recall affected models. We've seen it, you know, with products, even consumer products in the past, um, but certainly we've seen it, you know, if there's a seatbelt problem or an airbag problem. You often get these notices in the mail, and so there's a whole regulatory protection scheme that kicks in, and this would require that scheme to kick in so that these uh, these issues can be addressed more timely and more thoroughly than they have in the past. Wallace says car thefts are costing millions in insurance claims and lives among those who steal the cars. Wallace says she has support in her letter from Albany. Over two dozen of my colleagues signed on to that letter. They all agree that this is you know something that's needed. In addition to that, I know that many of the attorneys general across the country, including Attorney General Letitia James, have asked the um, for similar relief, have asked the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration to issue a recall. Hear more from Wallace Online. Tom Puckett, WBEN.com News. Thank you, Tom. A 9.30 kickoff for the Bills Sunday has many bars that rely on game days for business scrambling. WBEN's Brayton Wilson is here with a look at what they're doing to prepare. For many local bar and restaurant owners in western New York, week five of the 2023 bill season has been circled on their calendars for quite some time. I mean, ever since they announced it, we're planning on trying to figure out how we're going to open and what we're going to serve and how we're going to get a liquor license early. Early in the season, it's been on our radar, but we're checking all the boxes and uh, we'll be ready to go for uh, the game this Sunday. That's Chris Ring from the Rec Room along Chippewa Street in downtown Buffalo. Under New York law, bars and restaurants in the state are not allowed to sell alcohol before 10 a.m. unless owners have filed for a special special permit granted by the State Liquor Authority. Late Tuesday night, Governor Kathy Hochul announced she had directed the State Liquor Authority to extend the deadline for bars and restaurants to be able to submit for special permits for this Sunday. Connor Hawkins from the Banshee Irish Pub says the state received his special permit request, but the SLA has been inundated with requests and not every business may be guaranteed that permit. Right now for me, it's just a fingers crossed and hopefully we, we make the cut. I really do want to make the cut because I think people are just excited. I imagine everybody coming down here with their builds gear and their soccer gear, you know, and getting here early. Just a good atmosphere about it. You know, obviously the Bills doing so well and some of the soccer teams doing so well. People are just, it's a real feel-good factor right now. So what else is in store come Sunday morning for patrons of businesses across the region? Keith Morgan from the Tavern at Windsor Park is offering a church service to start the morning and then opening his bar at 8.30 a.m. We'll be serving um, two breakfast items. It's a plated uh, scrambled eggs, bacon, sausage, and home fry plate, or 
a breakfast sandwich from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. 11 a.m. we will resume our regular menu for people that, you know, decided they didn't want to eat early or whatever. Have a full bar, you know, 18 TVs with the games on, uh, everything you could possibly need. More from local businesses ahead of Sunday's Bills-Jaguars London game is available for you online. Brayton Wilson, WBEN.com News. The exclusive WBEN 7 weather forecast calls for increasing clouds this afternoon, staying unseasonably warm with highs near 80 degrees. Thickening clouds turning breezy tonight with showers developing overnight, mild lows down into the low to mid-60s. Scattered showers tomorrow, some dry time will be mixed in. Noticeably cooler, we'll see highs in the upper 60s. Occasional rain for Saturday, cool and brisk with highs in the upper 50s, turning even cooler on Sunday with showers and highs in the low 50s. With the exclusive WBEN 7 weather forecast, I'm meteorologist Mary Beth Robel. New York State Assemblywoman Monica Wallace is joining us live on WBEN this morning to talk about a letter that she's written to the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration urging them to issue a recall of certain Kia and Hyundai models due to vulnerability of theft. These thefts have been unprecedented around the country and here in western New York. Uh, Assemblywoman, why has it come to this, a letter from a state lawmaker urging this? Well, good morning, Susan and Brian. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to join you this morning to talk about this letter. Yeah, as you said, I sent a letter to the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, which is an agency of the U.S. Department of Transportation, and they have the authority under federal law to issue a mandatory recall when there is an unreasonable risk to motor vehicle safety. And, uh, you know, we've all gotten these recall messages in the past where you have to come in and fix a seatbelt or an airbag or something that is defective on your vehicle. To me, the lack of an engine immobilizer, which was industry standard at the time that these vehicles were manufactured, um, is, is clearly, as we can tell across the nation, posing an unreasonable risk to motor vehicle safety. So I think it's high time that the federal government steps in and issues a mandatory recall on these vehicles. It's been an issue talked about for so long. You've seen the impact all across the U.S. Why wouldn't there have been a recall already? Have you gotten any response? Uh, I haven't gotten any response yet. I, I, My understanding, and as you said, it's been an issue that impacts not only the individuals who have the vehicle, right? Losing their vehicle, maybe losing time off of work to address the theft. Um, Maybe they had to expend money, their own private money to get a rental car while it's getting fixed. So that's the individual. But then also cost to society. We're talking about hundreds of million dollars in insurance costs that um, have been incurred. Some some insurers are not even uh, going to insure writing new policies for these vehicles. Law enforcement has had to expend additional resources to tracking down these vehicles. Some law enforcement officers have been injured by people stealing these vehicles and fleeing. Um, innocent bystanders on the road have gotten hurt or killed in accidents from people joyriding. So, um, I, you know, I, I don't know. It's beyond me why they haven't done it at this point. Uh, the letter that I sent, over two dozen of my assembly colleagues joined me in that letter. And my letter was similar to a letter that um, that uh, several attorneys general had already issued asking for the very same thing, um, including our own New York State Attorney General, Letitia James. She signed on to a letter with numerous attorneys general across the country 
states like, uh, I believe, Colorado, Maryland, California, other states have signed on and asked for the same thing. And I, I quite frankly, it's beyond me why the um, Federal uh, National Highway Traffic Safety Administration has not issued a mandatory recall yet. You know, have you do you have a theory as to why the manufacturers, why Kia and Hyundai themselves don't initiate a recall? I mean, wouldn't it be in their best interest? Well, I think if it was in their best interest, they probably would have already done it. They are doing what is considered a, um, a, a I guess, a voluntary customer service campaign, we can call it, where they'll, if you bring it in, they will repair it. I believe they've only gotten to about 15 or 20 percent. I don't know the exact statistic of vehicles, so it's woefully inadequate in, in my mind. And there are certain regulatory protections that kick in. Um, if it is a mandatory recall, and those are not kicking in under this voluntary campaign. And maybe the federal government thinks what they're doing is enough, but it clearly is not, because this seems to be a problem that is not abating. A lot of people have gone in and got the fix. A mandatory recall, though, that would get more people, you're thinking? I mean, I think most people have gotten the notices about being able to get that immobilizer. Well, I don't know that for, that for a fact, but the um, the mandatory, if that's the case, then why not do the mandatory recall, right? I mean, if it's, if, if that's no, if it's not going to add any big deal, then there should absolutely be a mandatory recall. I don't think that that's true. Um, and there also, when there is a mandatory recall, the, if those are insufficient, because I think I've read somewhere that some of the models that patch doesn't work for them. So if it is sufficient, insufficient, then the federal government has the authority under this mandatory recall to say, look, that's not good enough. You need to do more. You know, I know some of the things that Kia has done is to provide these um, uh, these steering wheel locks, which I think have deterred some folks. But first of all, they've only they've given them to law enforcement and put the onus on law enforcement to distribute them in the community, which doesn't seem fair. And second of all, Speaking to my law enforcement, local law enforcement, they say it's absolutely not even, you know, a fraction of the amount of steering wheel locks that they would need for the millions of vehicles on the roads that are impacted by this. Is this the first time in your understanding that NHTSA has been asked to issue a recall for these vehicles? I, I can't imagine that it's the first. Well, as I said, the attorneys, you mean in my letter or the attorney general also issued a letter in June, uh, I, I believe, or right around there, sometime over the summer. And, um, you know, I don't think that the um, National Highway Transportation and Safety Administration has responded positively with that yet. I don't I don't think that they've issued a recall as a result of that. I think that their response was that, you know, that, that the fixes being done are sufficient. I think the evidence is to the contrary. The thefts continue. Law enforcement you know, is continuing to expend unnecessary resources, tracking these things down. And I'm not excusing the people who are stealing these vehicles. Obviously, that's that's a problem as well. And, you know, one of the things I'm going to look at is if we could do more as a state to provide additional resources to help them solve these cases. But we shouldn't have to do that. Um, this is a problem that the manufacturers could have easily avoided had they put in what was industry standard, which was this um, engine immobilizer. And we'll see uh, what happens from there. Uh, before we let you go, I want to get your thoughts on what's happening throughout uh, western New York, including in your district in Cheektowaga. We've started to see what you know was not really a western New York issue become one in recent months, which is the migrant crisis in New York City. Their mayor 
is out on a trip right now telling people that their shelters are full, discourage people from coming up to New York State. What is the state government's role in this? Is there anything in your mind that state governments, the Assembly, the Senate, outside of the governor's office can do to deal with this? Well, Brian, that is absolutely the most frustrating thing about this, because like this issue that we were just talking about, this is a national problem that needs a national solution. This is not a problem that is unique to New York. It is something that our our, uh, our neighboring states, in the, particularly Texas and and uh, the southern states, have been you know complaining about for a while now, um, and we are starting to feel what they are feeling, and it is incredibly frustrating. And I think that our federal representatives on both sides of the aisle need to get together and find a solution. You know, the other day the governor said, "Look, you know, we do have we want to be welcoming to people." to everybody, but we just can't possibly allow every single person that wants to come to the United States in the United States. It's just not feasible. So we have to have better uh, resources and better systems in place at the federal level where this is, you know, this is federal law allows these individuals to come to the border and say, I am seeking asylum. And then federal law allows them to travel wherever they want while they're waiting for that application to be processed. You know, if we can process one of the one of the easy things that the federal government can do is to um, hire, you know, a dozens and hundreds of more uh, immigration judges to process these applications so that we can have an adjudication more quickly. And these individuals can know whether they have the ability to stay here or not. But, the, you know, the federal government can also allow these individuals, since they're here legally under federal law, um, to uh, to, to work while they're here so that we don't have to support them. Um, and I think that they want to work. So, and we have jobs available for them. So, you know, there's lots of things the federal government can do. It's not a state problem for us to solve. We have, you know, issues of education and issues of, you know, so many other things that we, that, that this is unfortunately not something that we can solve at the state level. So there's not that's a... What the, that's what the, that's what the, the, you know, Texas and New Mexico and other states have been saying for years now. Is there no reason then to have a special session of the state legislature? No issues on this crisis for state lawmakers I to deal am with? I'm reluctant to call for a special session because I believe that people will be asking for resources to go to New York City, and I'm not inclined to do that. Um, I am seeking resources to come to my community to address, um, as I said, federal law requires that children in the school districts um, be educated regardless of status, immigration status. So that is why we are seeing um, these individuals in some of the school districts locally. And I know the school districts are very welcoming to these children. Um, and, you know, and, and that's but, but they should not bear the burden of additional expenses that were unanticipated when they did their uh, contracts or their budgets last year. And so my goal is to make sure that they are made whole as a result of this. So that's what I would be working on. But that is not something that can happen until our budget season next year. So I do not see the need for a special session at this point. All right. Interesting to... Uh, have, I think Congress should have the special session to uh, deal with this issue, quite frankly. There you go. Uh, Monica Wallace joining us this morning. That's the WBEN All Local. All new episodes are made available each weekday morning, produced by the award-winning WBEN Newsroom.